0: Hello, and welcome to Literary Lunch, a light lunch for your literary appetite. I'm Beth, currently recording from a walk-in closet on the first day of my honeymoon. And this is my co-host, V. Today, we'll be talking about The Salt Witch by Martha Wells.
1: Listen to her. She's so... So dedicated. And on her honeymoon, this is kind of my fault because I insisted we put out two episodes a week, but can we just applaud the dedication for a second? And I'm jealous and I'm going to die alone. Also, she gets to travel. What the fuck? Remember traveling to places and going on adventures? I'm totally not jealous at all right now.
0: The getting trashed at clubs does not count as exciting adventures where you have cool funnest revelations.
1: Hey, I'll have you know. One time, a girl that I didn't know called me a $50 Uber home because my phone died and it was 3 a.m. And that is when I realized that women are just so there for women. That is just a bad
0: situation to be in, V. Why were you out at 3 a.m. anywhere with a dead phone by yourself? Well... We are going to have words after we put the mic away today. But speaking of women being there for women, eh? Let's go on to the synopsis. A witch named Juana finds a boat and takes it flying. It lands her on a ghost island at the end of a hurricane hallway, where she finds that the landscape is all jumbled together across time. At the center of the chaos, she finds a castle built to withstand the gale force winds. It was meant to be a refuge for the ghosts blown here by the hurricane, but some asshole died in it, took over, and kick the ghost back out into the storm using the power of the heart of the castle, the ghost bride. Juana confronts him, but he brings her to the beach and shows her the spot where she died, telling her she's not a witch, she's just a ghost.
1: She realizes that her mother never would have wanted her to die the way she did, tying her life to the family motel and dying in the sea. Loving and hating the island as much as she did makes her part of the magic of the place. She storms back into the hotel and helps the ghost bride reclaim her power, feminism, and fooling the asshole ghost out into the storm. The ghost bride turns the hotel back into a refuge, and all the ghosts have a place of peace again. She asks Juana to stay, but Juana is going to see the world. She's not tired enough to rest here forever. She's just getting started, but she says she'll visit.
0: And now for the lightning round review. You know, the really relatable part of this story is that we've all been in a crummy relationship at one point or another.
1: Can we call my ex the soul-sucking demon king because he was a-
0: <laughs> Also, Fee, you can relate to Juana. You talk to yourself a lot when you're alone.
1: What do I even say to that?
0: Exactly. Are we catching gay vibes between the ghost bride and Juana?
1: Ever since I came out as bi, I've been catching gay vibes everywhere, so I don't know how valid my opinion is on this matter. All right, so, you know, uh, accounting
0: for bi confusion, that's a yes. On to the
1: discussion. While this isn't my usual genre, and I would have not sought this out or chosen this myself, I really enjoyed it and was really happy that Beth chose it. Even though it was out of my comfort zone, it was such a nice, charming read.
0: Um, just nice. You literary elitist hoe.
1: No, no, I really mean that. Like, whatever we define literary as aside, I enjoyed the tone, and this was nice and light and meaningful.
0: Yeah, I really agree with that. Um, there were a couple of witty moments that we absolutely loved in this story. For example, compared to all the other ghost islands of the Caribbean, it was short sure to
1: suck. Just like
0: my hometown. Once you were responsible for something, you couldn't just leave it behind. You didn't abandon things you were responsible for. You didn't, even when you were a
1: witch. I mean, I abandoned all the shit I'm responsible for, though. You have got to be kidding me, she snarled up at him. This is what you've got? Man, evil is going downhill. At least I expected some imagination, she says. God,
0: I love how self-aware this story is.
1: Wow, symbolism, Juana said through gritted teeth. Again,
0: very self-aware. And it
1: just makes it so engaging and
0: fun. And that kind of brings us to the question, um, what does the witty tone... for the story. For me, I think it gives Wana so much personality and it makes her so much more than just another ghost.
1: I also think that it makes light fun of the fantasy genre and it pokes fun at tropes of fantasy while being a great read in the genre. It doesn't take itself too seriously, which makes the serious message all the more well conveyed. And I am all for stories that take themselves too seriously. That is like my type of story. Story.
0: That is your type of story. And uh, I'm the opposite.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you won me over with this one.
0: Yeah, because it's not just about the wit. There's also some really meaningful lines in here too. Uh, for example, one of my personal favorites, hell is people, which, And some people are so bad, they can make any place into hell, even a place meant to be a refuge.
1: A lot of that rings true, especially for people who have been in abusive relationships.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because a relationship is supposed to be a refuge. It's supposed to be a safe place. But an abusive person can turn it into hell.
1: The way that the ghost bride is sort of under the spell of this demon king who has her convinced that she has no power and she has no will, she has no strength, it's very reminiscent of the way an abuser can totally mitigate the self-esteem of a victim.
0: That's... Kind of an undercurrent here that I really love is the idea that an abuser is he gains his power by stealing your power, but he does not have inherent power of his own. And I think that is such an incredible idea. And it was so meaningful.
1: I just love the moment where Juana says, we're here because we're dead. We don't have to be ghosts. We can be witches, baby. You got to own your power. Rescue yourself, queen. Start with no. The ghost bride turned to the demon king, lifted her veil, and said,
0: no. I love the thing Juana says a couple of times in the story. She says, you have got to start with no with these assholes. (laughs) Otherwise, you're not going to get anywhere. I just love that idea. And I love that no is the most powerful word of a story.
1: Yes, and no is a full sentence. Yes. It doesn't need explanation or justification. And no is about claiming your power and your future, even if you have been in a manipulative or abusive relationship, it's about remembering your autonomy. Not to say that it's that easy in- Oh, of course not. It is not easy in abusive relationships and it is often not that simple. But the symbolism of the story is about getting away from that soul-sucking sort of presence that Beth was talking about.
0: Yeah, and I kind of liked the take that Wells had on why specifically these ghosts had power while the asshole didn't. And for all the Demon King had died in the castle, he wasn't part of it. You had to love this place with all your heart or hate it with all your soul, preferably both, to be a real part of magic. So... Even if he did die and take it over, he's not connected with this place. He's not connected spiritually to it. He just happened to die here and was like, oh, this seems like a good place to set up camp and be a real dickwad.
1: Yeah, I just love the fact that Juana just empowers the ghost bride by reminding her that she has power. It's such a feminist move. And sometimes that's all it takes is someone to sort of tell you, You know, you're strong, by the way, and I believe in you and you can do this. This is an option.
0: Yeah, it's so simple, but so impactful. And that's one of the things I really love about uh, genre fiction as opposed to literary fiction. Like this, the the genre itself is the metaphor, so it's not filled with, um, you know, all these sort of this purple prose you can get going in a literary story. It's the the, the setting is the metaphor and. It helps to really approach difficult topics in um, a safer setting. So, like V was saying earlier, it isn't as easy as saying no in an abusive relationship. But when we have a ghost bride who literally uses ghost magic and all she has to do is remember her power and say no... That is really incredible. And it gives us such a sense of power and it makes her a really a force to be reckoned with. And she shows us that we can be more than victims. We can be survivors and we can be
1: conquerors. It's just such a beautiful tale. It really is.
0: Honestly, I think that's another of the strengths of genre fiction. It adds beauty to a story and engages the imagination in really important ways. Like The idea of Juana as a witch is so much more powerful and wonderful and joyful than if she were a traditional ghost or even a regular downtrodden human being. And the story is just so bittersweet, but so beautiful.
1: I absolutely agree. It captured my imagination completely.
0: That is the power, my friends, of Martha Wells. So... We're uh, pretty much done with this serious discussion stuff, right? Yeah, Yeah, I guess. Then I'm going to introduce a section I like to call This is one of my favorite authors, and I desperately need to rave about her work. Bit clunky. Still workshopping it, but that's not important. What's important, perhaps more important than anything else, is Murderbot. There we go. The Murderbot Diaries is a series of novellas by Martha Wells, and it's my favorite series of all time. The main character is a human android construct called a Aseki, and it's hacked its governor module so it can do whatever it wants.
1: I'm sorry, I don't speak sci-fi nerd. What's a governor module? It's a thing in a murderbot's head that causes
0: it pain or kills it if it does anything it's not supposed to do.
1: Sounds like capitalism. Um, Are people okay with this? (laughs)
0: Yeah, constructs are considered things by the capitalist world. It's supposed to be dystopic fortunately for everyone who doesn't want to be murdered by a killer bot. Murderbot mostly watches serials and does just enough of its job not to get caught. But then it makes friends and it's solves space mysteries and it goes on adventures. It's the most pure, wonderful character ever. Oh, would you look at that? We're almost out of time. Almost done. And the world building. People are just casually queer and poly and the world is a capitalist hellscape with a fringe of collectivist planets and oh my god, I cannot tell you how much I love it! I listened to the last book again on my way to my honeymoon. It was so good. I have so many feelings and I can't wait for the next book to come out.
1: So, if any listener likes this Murderbot diary series, honestly, please contact us and talk to Beth because she seems like she has some feelings she needs to discuss. I have a lot of feelings and they're all very strong. Are you done now? Yeah, I guess. Okay, great. Let's write the story that we actually read.
0: Alright, what'd you think, V?
1: This was charming and it hit the spot. Four sandwiches out of five. Um,
0: you mean five out of five.
1: I guess it's 4.5 then.
0: I I can live with that. Stick to your mediocre taste, you heathen.
1: Also, while I have you guys here, I started a Goodreads book club page called Literary Lunch Munchies. And I'm literally all alone on it. It's a little sad. Sometimes I refresh it during the day to check if anyone has stumbled upon it. Please join me so I feel like someone listens to this podcast. Okay, now you just sound desperate.
0: Um, That's it for today. Please rate us and leave us a good review because V needs external validation desperately. Follow us on Twitter at LitLunchCast. Email us at LitLunchPodcast at gmail.com or find us on our website, LiteraryLunchPodcast.wordpress.com.
1: We want to hear your thoughts, feelings, and reactions to the story in the next one. You may even get a shout out. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye, munchies.